Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. This is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. Lord, we are ready for your word. Father, I pray that what we say and what we do will be pleasing in your sight, bring glory and honor to you, allow your people to hear from you and to be convicted by your word, but not just convicted for conviction's sake. Help that conviction result in a change in conduct so that our commitment to you will be even greater. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's wrong with you? How many times have you heard that said to you? How many times have you said it to somebody else? Uh, Typically, when we say it, it's because there's behavior that's inappropriate and action or an attitude that we do not agree with. And we want to know what is wrong with that person when maybe the better question to ask is not what's wrong with you, but what has happened to you. Because many times in life, what we have learned is that what people do is rooted in what has been done. That they are simply reflecting what has already happened in their life. One of our staff members shared this little video clip with me this past week. I want to share it with you. And the title of it, if you want to find it on your own on YouTube, is It's Not About the nail. Check it out. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just. Sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is, and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged, I mean all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? Now, I don't know which character you identified with the most. Uh, you, 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 are you the person who wants to point out the nail, or you probably are reluctant if you are the person who has the nail, right? But the truth of the matter is, uh, the issues that we have in life, the things that we deal with, we can address, we can 
overcome in many instances, but the greatest obstacle to overcoming those things are ourselves. Our failure to own it, to see it, and address it. Today I want to continue our look at this subject matter and complete our message, how to overcome the strongholds in your life. How to overcome the strongholds in your life. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. I would submit to you, those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, you can go online to our website, goodhope.org. You can also download our app and you can access the outline. And I would really recommend that you combine the two from last week and this week because the outline from this week has some information that you did not get last week and vice versa. Uh, The Bible declares that our walk with the Lord starts with salvation. Colossians 1.13 tells us that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. But once we are saved, that is not the end of the process. Salvation must be followed by an intentional commitment to sanctification that we are committed to growing and becoming the best that we can to the glory of God. Not that we become or not that you become the best version of yourself, but that you become the best version of Jesus you can possibly be. Now, on last week, I shared with you three things, and then today I want to, in part two, share with you two concluding thoughts. First, just as a former review, last week, I shared with you, you need to realize you have strongholds in your life. You have strongholds in your life. Too many people are like that young lady who does not want to claim or identify the nail in the middle of her forehead. We have strongholds. Strongholds have come to take root in us. And here's why some of you don't know you have a stronghold. It's been with you so long that you actually think it is a part of your person and your personality. It's been with you so long, you don't even remember when it entered into your life. All you know is from the time you can consciously remember until now, it has been a part of your life. And so you don't see it as an intrusive pain that's taken root in your life, you see it as a part of your personality. And God says, no, that is not who you were intended to be. Look at verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh or according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, there it is, strongholds. I gave you a definition of strongholds last week, and I'm sure you didn't have time to write it down, so I gave it to you today in your outline. Let's read it together. A stronghold is an area in your life where the results of sin have taken root in your spirit, so much so that it affects who you are, how you think, and what you do continuing to give Satan power in that area of your life to cause you to live below God's will for your life and your thoughts, 
words and deeds. Now, it's not that the stronghold is your sin. The stronghold many times was introduced by somebody else's sin into your life, but here's where it becomes a stronghold where you are the victim initially, you continue to victimize yourself because now you have taken ownership of this stronghold and made it your own. And the Bible says that that stronghold needs to be destroyed, needs to be torn down, needs to be torn apart. Here's the second thing I shared with you last week. I shared with you, you need to realize the root cause of many of your strongholds is unresolved pain from your past. Unresolved pain from your past. Psalm 88 verse 15, afflicted and close to death, from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. You know what's wrong with you. Uh, it's called sin. But what you don't look at enough is what happened to you as a result of the sin that was placed upon or exercised against you. Strongholds, I believe, are symptoms. Symptoms of sin that have been perpetuated against us in our past that we now hold on to that manifest themselves in unhealthy behavior. That's why I say when you look at somebody and you say, what's wrong with you? The better question might be what happened to you because something happened to produce the behavior that you object to. In the 88th Psalm, the last Sons of Korah Psalm in the Psalms, the psalmist is crying out to God day and night because he is troubled to the depths of his soul, feeling like he is going through hell on earth with no strength and no relief in sight. There is no one he can call on. This Psalm is so powerful, it ends with the word darkness. Because unlike many psalms that talk about pain and then end in praise when they think about what God has done, this psalm is dark all the way through. And this psalmist says, I'm in a place of perpetual pain for which I find no relief. See, many of the strongholds come into our lives before we even became Christians. They, they've been with us so long, they, we, we just explain them away, kind of like that, that woman with the nail in her head, right? She's snagging all of her sweaters, but she never thinks about why the sweaters are snagging. And what do I need to do to eliminate it, not just own it, but deal with it? Um, I shared with you on the outline 10 adverse childhood experiences. These are potentially traumatic events that occur in Childhood between zero and 17 years of age. I want you to look at this list of these 10 prominent ACEs. Uh, childhood physical abuse, child sexual abuse, 
child emotional abuse, emotional neglect, physical neglect, mentally ill, depressed, or suicidal person in the home, drug-addicted or alcoholic family member, witnessing domestic violence against the mother, loss of a parent to death or abandonment by parental divorce, incarceration of any family member for a crime. Now, listen, here's what's interesting to me. Because all of these will be exasperated depending on some other adverse experiences like racial, poverty, systemic oppression, exposure to community violence, microaggressions, and the like. Here's what's interesting. Uh, I I grew up in a home where you didn't talk about your business outside, right? We, 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 We rather pretend to be healthy even though we jacked up and tore from the floor up in the house, right? There, there was no so, such thing as openness and transparency. You, you didn't go get help for anything. You just dealt with it. Here's what we don't understand. Traumatic experiences do not simply happen to children. They happen inside children. It affects their brains. It affects their bodies. Studies show that the majority of people who find themselves in abusive relationships grew up in abusive households. Watch this. The norm for them was abuse, and their synaptic patterns neurologically developed so that they gravitate towards abuse because it is comfortable and it is known. Sometimes even creating abuse, even if it's self-perceived, they create it because that's what they are comfortable with. That is their norm. Toxicity that's associated with stress impacts the brain's ability and capacity to learn. And these previous experiences open up the door to triggers to our present. So let me give you an example. I'm having a conversation with somebody. We're talking about something, and all of a sudden they go left. I'm not talking about veer left. I'm talking about a hard left. And I'm trying to figure out how did they get over here. I didn't say anything about it. But what I said was a trigger for them for an unresolved ACE, and they saw themselves now put in a position where they were uncomfortable and they got defensive and nothing was being said with that intention in mind. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Um, No, I'm going to ask you to do something for yourself. When you look at that list of ACEs, the Center for Disease Control says 64% of adults have had at least one ACE, 25% have had three or more, 17.3% have had four or more adverse childhood experiences. If you're not ashamed, or even if you are, just for your own healing, I wonder if you would stand with me today. I can't stand because I'm already standing, but I'll raise my hand. Because I'll be honest with you, I go down that list, I got about eight out of ten. It's easier for me to check the ones I haven't experienced than the ones I've had. If you could stand right now and say, yes, I have suffered adverse childhood experiences. Now, I want you who are standing to give the Lord a hand that you're still in your right mind. (laughs) Yes, God. 
Because there's been so much that went on in your life. Man, if you acted a fool up in here, up in here, we couldn't blame you for all that you have been through. So what do you do when you see the impact of your current life as a result of your past ACEs? What do you do when you're raising your children in an unhealthy way the way you were raised? Or you're projecting your unhealthiness on the next generation coming behind you? Number three, last week I shared with you, you must battle your strongholds every day of your life. Everybody say battle. Yeah, you in a fight, you. You in a fight. You in a fight, y'all. You in a fight. You've got to battle your strongholds. That's why the Apostle Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare, verse 4, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You don't need a weapon if you're not in warfare. You are in warfare. Look at what the text says. Finally be strong, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6. In the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You are in a battle. A, realize you are in a battle with the devil. The Bible says the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. You don't have to look for the devil. The devil is looking for you. And if the devil can't take you out, he wants to take you down. Let me give you an example of how the devil will operate. I can't silence you. I've tried that but let me render your testimony impotent. So you get into it with somebody at work. You right. You are in the right, but you respond the wrong way. And y'all going back and forth, and all of a sudden you lose it. You get loud, you cussing, you fussing, and watch what the devil does because the person that eggs you on will calmly step back and say, I thought you was a Christian. And you'd be like, hot dog. Man, I messed up my testimony over this fool up in here. Got your Bible open on your desk and everything and listening to Christian music. You don't even want them to know you know hip-hop. Trying to be spiritual. And here comes the devil. B, realize you are in a spiritual battle with your flesh. Every day. Every day you're in a battle with your flesh. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, and watch this. Here's the mistake that many times we make. We mistakenly see physical inactivity as spiritual maturity. See, just because you can't do it anymore doesn't mean you're not held accountable, not just for what you do, but for what you think. And that flesh is a monster. Oh, yeah, that flesh is a monster. You'd be like, boy, if I could, if it was 10 years earlier, all up in your flesh. 
girl, if I was 30 years younger, all up in your flesh. The Bible says you're in a battle with your flesh. Look at C. Realize you're in a battle, a spiritual battle with your past. That's why Paul says, Philippians 3.13, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. You can't negotiate with the past. If you get in a fight with the past, you'll never win. The past is undefeated. That's why he says you've got to press forward. You say, what about the good things? Build on them. What about the bad things? Cast them aside. But you've got to press forward for a better tomorrow. Look at somebody and tell them press forward. All right, let's get to part two of how to overcome the strongholds in your life. Number one, you need to realize you must depend upon the power of God to be victorious over your strongholds. You must depend upon the power of God. Verse four says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, divine power. This, this is not power as defined by strength. This is power. Uh, the Greek word dunamai speaks to a supernatural power that you can't win this battle in your flesh. Let me, let me tell you something uh, about the flesh. It, it, it will comply for a season but it will revert back real quick if you take the pressure off. You, you, you literally have to make this a spiritual battle. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to help somebody today. I think I'm, I'm in the right place. And, and, and some of you may, may think, you know, Pastor, that's interesting. I, I've learned even in my own journey, even in my own journey, that there are things that I try to attack in the flesh, but it's really a spiritual battle. Like, like, for example, you're struggling with your weight, right? When, when you're struggling with your weight, let me ask you, how, how, how much do you pray about it? How much do you seek God about it? How much do you meditate about it? How much do you ask the Holy Spirit to help you? No, we're going to exercise willpower. And how many of you know willpower will leave real quick? When, when stress comes on you and you, got, and you got to eat your way through, right? You're not praying your way through. I'm talking about myself. I ain't talking about you. you, you got, man, you got to eat your way through and you got to find them comfort foods, you know, the kind of, you, you follow what I'm saying? Like, like we, we don't recognize that, that every stronghold we deal with, it can only be defeated with spiritual power. You cannot defeat Satan in your own strength. You cannot fight spiritual battles and be victorious without God's power. That's why prayer is so important. That's why reading the word is so important. That's why spending daily time with God is so important. That's why we want that to be the foundation of your discipleship experience. Some of you have not prayed since you were enrooted. Some of you have not done a daily devotional since you were enrooted. Some of you have not fasted since you were enrooted. Listen, it's not an event. It's a lifestyle. 
We're trying to teach you principles so you can victoriously walk with God. And you can help somebody else walk with God. Look at Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Can you circle dwells in you? Now, how can you be victorious? Look at A. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. Realize the Holy Spirit is inside of you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, everybody say in me, is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you. This might mess with church attendance somewhere, but let me share with you a theological truth. You do not come here to meet God. You don't come to church to meet God. Paul says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit took up residence within you. Here's the problem with much of our praise and worship and pep rally preaching and candy cane theology that we get on YouTube and the like on TikTok. Here's the problem. We're singing songs that have an Old Testament basis while we have a New Testament relationship. See, in the Old Testament... God visited his people and filled the temple with his presence occasionally. It wasn't all day, every day, right? But the Bible says when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us which means he lives inside of you. So we don't come here. So when we talk about, let's invite the Lord into our presence. No, no, no. That's Old Testament theology for a New Testament experience. Now, we ain't got to invite him in. All we got to do is realize he is already in. Um, <laughs> so I got in trouble one time. It, 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 it may have been the worst whooping I got in my life. No, I think it was the second worst one. Um, man, I was, I was standing in front of the elementary school I was going to, and I got to give you all a little context. My father was born in Talladega, Alabama, and the one thing that you would not do was embarrass him in front of white folk. That, that was like the unforgivable, unforgivable unpardonable sin. You now, you, you may act a fool around Negroes, but nah, don't, uh -uh, don't embarrass me in front of white folk. And so we at the school, I don't know if I ever forget this girl's name, Martha Bailey. Martha Bailey, little blonde haired blue eyed girl in the school, right? And, and it's just a few of us, you know, sprinkled in there like, you know, pepper and grits. Just a few of us in the school. And... And, and all the kids, they, they were teasing Martha 
because of something that happened at the school dance. And I'm in the group teasing Martha Bailey. We, we standing outside of the school. I'm teasing Martha Bailey. Everybody teasing Martha Bailey. Gets quiet all of a sudden. But I'm still teasing Martha Bailey. And then I just happened to turn around and my mother was there. And she just looked at me. And, and I looked at her. Hey. hey. And she said, come on, let's go. And, and we got on the number 13 bus going down to the Jacob Reese Housing Projects, 465 East 10th Street, apartment 13H. We're on the number 13 bus. And uh, my mother didn't say a word the whole time. About 20 minutes right. She didn't say nothing. We get to the apartment. She didn't say nothing. And then she mumbled something to my father. He said, get in the, in the room. And I go in my room, and they out there talking. And uh, he calls me out of the room. And he grabbed whatever he could get his hands on and started wailing. And uh, all I could remember him saying was, I told you, don't you ever embarrass me. And you know, each one was a lick. You know, every, every syllable, boy. You don't want the multiple syllable words. You know what I'm saying? Because if they're trying to get a message across, it's too many syllables, you know, right? I told you, don't you ever embarrass me like that in front of white people. Here's my point. If I had known my mother was present, I wouldn't have said a word. <laughs> come, come on, some of y'all, y'all still got your mothers, your fathers with you, and you know you grown, but when they're around, there's still some stuff you don't say. There's still some stuff you don't do. Now watch this. If you wouldn't say it and do it if your mama was around or your daddy was around, why you do it with the Holy Ghost around? I'm just saying, because the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. But watch, watch this. Look at B. The Holy Spirit fights for you. The Holy Spirit fights for you. Romans 8, 26, verse 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When you are tired, when you are beat up, when you are beat down, when you are unable to fight for yourself, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will intercede on your behalf. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Ghost will pray for you. He will fight for you. Now, I'm telling you, you're in a fight. And once you identify the stronghold, don't confuse conviction with a change in conduct. Just because you know what's wrong, listen, that woman knew there was a nail in her head. She didn't want to talk about the nail. And some of you know there's a nail in your head and you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to address it. When it just needs to come out. See, here's the mistake that we make. We hear verses like, 
no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And we're ready to shout. That's right, Pastor. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It doesn't mean the gun won't shoot. It doesn't mean the weapon won't be used. The text simply says whatever comes against you, it will not ultimately prevail in taking you out even if it takes you down. Here's the last thing. Number two, you must choose to fight to overcome the strongholds in your life. Verse five says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We destroy. We take every thought captive. This idea of military uh, warfare, military service, to be in a military campaign. You are in a fight. Don't talk about you a soldier in the army of the Lord and you ain't willing to do no fighting. He says, you got, you got to fight every day for your faith. You got to fight every day for your sanity. You got to fight every day for your spiritual well-being. Now, how are we to fight? Look at A, ask God to reveal what is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. Ask God to show you what's at the root of your stronghold. Now, here's the problem. Here's the challenge that many of you have. You have an idea of what the stronghold is. You may even have an idea of where it came in, how it entered into your life, but you have worked so hard to get past it that you have never fully gotten over it. And so some of you are looking at me now talking about, well, it's in the past, it's in the past. I'm just going to learn how to live with it like the nail in that girl's head. You're just going to learn how to live with it. And God says, no, 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 it's not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. And don't allow somebody else's sin that was committed against you in your yesterday to hold you back in your personal journey today. First John chapter one, verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I'm telling you that the stronghold is rooted in sin. It may be somebody else's sin that was perpetuated against you, but it becomes your sin when you hold on to it. See, some strongholds are the results of unchecked and unconfessed sin. And when it stays in your life long enough, it becomes a stronghold. Some strongholds are the result of sins committed against you, like abuse or violence. And if you were a child, you were innocent and did not deserve that to be. And I understand that. But because you were victimized does not mean that you should continue to walk in life as a victim. Some strongholds are caused by generational sins that run in your family. Come on, some of y'all know cuckoo runs in the family. Yeah, and, and you be talking to folk. I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about the person next to you. And, and, and folk, they, 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 they literally, they say, oh, man, you crazy just like, you, just like your daddy. 
You just like Uncle. Any just like Uncle. You ain't never met Uncle. Any just like Uncle. Mm-hmm. And what we don't see is the passing down of those strongholds becoming almost an inherited rites of passage. And God says, no, you got to choose health and healing and wholeness, not brokenness, not ungodliness, not unrighteousness. You got to choose what your future is going to look like, even if you couldn't choose what your past would be. So don't claim it as your personality. Don't say that's just the way it is or that's just the way I am. Call it what God calls it, a stronghold that needs to be destroyed. Look at B, release and repent of the unresolved pain that's the root of your stronghold. I'm closing right here. Release and repent of the unresolved pain that's the root of your stronghold. See, once you call it sin, you can deal with it the way God wants you to deal with it. Release it means to actively and aggressively let go of the sins that were done to you in your past. Whether it's a sin that you continue to perpetuate and commit or it's something that you have not forgiven somebody for, he says you've got to release it. You've got to let it go. Look at Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Before the writer tells you to run, he says you got to lay aside. You got to lay aside some weight. Now watch this. The runner, the believer, didn't ask God to take it off. He said, there's some stuff you need to take off. Let God do what only God can do. Let God help you do what you may be struggling to do, but you better do what you can do. I don't know why I'm feeling led to say this, but it's for somebody in here, somebody who's watching. It's like, it's like you praying, telling the Lord, to get somebody out of your house that you invited into your house and gave a key to. I'm just saying. You gave them a key. You invited them to move in. You stress now, and you praying, Lord, I need you to get them out in the name of Jesus. And the Lord said, you didn't invite him in in the name of Jesus. Why do you want him to get him out in the name of Jesus? There's some stuff. There's some people. There are some situations that you need to put out of your life. And stop waiting on God to do what you're not willing to do for yourself. See, when you hold on to that sin... That sin will metastasize into a stronghold and be with you for the rest of your life. Repent means to actively and aggressively turn away from the areas where you have sinned. Look at Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. You know what repent means, don't you? It's not just saying I'm sorry. Repent means I'm sorry, make a 180-degree turn, and say, I'm not doing it again. I'm determined I'm going in another direction. 
And here's, here's the problem for too many of us, going in the opposite direction is too drastic a change. I'm going to Galveston. I'm on my way to Galveston, y'all. I'm going down to Galveston. I want to hang out on the seawall, and I get on 45, and I see a sign that says Dallas, 230 miles. I'm going to Galveston because I want to relax. I want to chill down at the seawall. I got my chair in the back. I got my music. I got my little cooler. I'm ready to go down and chill at the seawall, and I see a sign on 45 that says Dallas, 236 miles ahead. What do I need to do if I want to go to Galveston? Now watch this. Do I need to get all the way to Dallas and start seeing the reunion tile before I turn around? Can, can I trust the sign? The sign that's saying I'm going in the wrong direction. But watch, here's what some of us will do. We'll say, oh, okay, I'm on, the wrong, I'm on the right road, but I'm going in the wrong direction. But now we get off and we make a right turn and we're going towards Lufkin. No, no, no. Just because you're not going to Dallas doesn't still mean you're going in the right direction. No. Going to Lufkin is still not going to Dallas. You got to make a U-turn. Everybody say U-turn. You got to make an about face and start going where you need to go. You have to choose freedom when it comes to battling and defeating sin and the strongholds in your life. I need somebody to choose freedom today. To say, you know what? Pastor, you're right. This thing has held me back. It's keeping me from living my best life. It's keeping me from walking in the victory that God has assured me of. I need to make a determination. I need to make a decision to fight and keep fighting. The good news is, while you're fighting, you don't have to fight alone. Amen. Amen. And let me just close by telling you that's the beauty of the life groups. That's the beauty of the discipleship culture that we're establishing. You don't have to fight alone. You not only can fight with God on your side, but you can also fight with other people on your side. Other people who are not afraid and not ashamed to say, you know what, I'm struggling too. Boy, let's pray for each other. Let's pray with each other. Let's hold each other accountable so that we can get across the finish line together. There's an old proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with somebody else. And I want everybody in here to go far in your walk with God, to become all that God wants you to be. Amen. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that all that has been said and done has been pleasing in your sight. Um, I know it's been a tough two weeks uh, emotionally for some, uh, intellectually for some, uh, for some physically, for some spiritually. But God, I pray that we would receive what you are saying, hear what you're saying, and then make the move that we need to make in order to become all you want us to be. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you for your power. Help us to do our part 
that you might do your part. You told us in the old song to yield not to temptation. For yielding is sin. Its victory will help us some other to win, to fight manfully onward. Dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus because he will carry us through. And so we ask you to help us, comfort, strengthen, and keep us because we know you're willing to aid us and we know you can carry us through. Have your way now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.